Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Banter Broadcast, where we sit around and talk about movies, TV shows, and what have you. I'm Patricia. I'm Andrew. I'm oh, he's Andrew. <laughs> he's Ian. I'm Aaliyah. There we and, go. Yes, there we go. And so today, <laughs> uh, you know, we're back again for the third time talking about something Avatar-related, uh, not to be confused with the James Cameron property, but anyway. So today we're know? going to be discussing about um, the 2012 animated series, The Legend of Korra, which is the sequel series to Avatar The Last Airbender in honor of its release on Netflix. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I love, love the show so much. <laughs> we know Malia. We know. We know you love the show. Yeah, but now oh, we can man. talk more about this show. And that doesn't involve with, hey, uh, the creators are leaving the Netflix series because oh. they agree. Yeah, go listen to the last podcast that we did about it. It's, it's uh, anyway, but no, we're we're here to talk about Cora. And uh, I, I just looked through like the top tens of Netflix, and I think it's there with number two currently. So let's just see yep. how long that stays in the top yep. ten. So yeah, maybe. I mean, that that should be interesting. So yeah, um, so right before we uh, we discuss about this, so I I mean, we did all talk about how we were all familiar with Avatar: The Last Airbender. So I'm sure that the moment that Cora arrived, you were really excited about what the show was going to offer. I talked about it last week, but I don't know if it was part of the one that we recorded. But I found out about Legend of Korra on accident. It was complete, like out of nowhere. I- went on my computer in like the seventh or eighth grade to go play some little flash games because I was bored and I went to nick.com and I saw Legend of Korra mm-hmm. and I'm like what is this this looks like a new show I've never I've never heard of it because I don't know I guess I just wa- wasn't watching Nickelodeon at the time but I went and it was like when they still had like the three episodes up online yeah I remember. and I went to episode one and they go through the whole earth, water, fire, air thing. And I'm like, wait a second. This this looks like Avatar. And it was Avatar. And I watched whatever episodes they had available. And I kept watching. And I love the show. I think the show's great. Okay. So, For me, I knew about the show, but I didn't get into the show when it first came out. Um, and then I tried watching it. And at first, I'm not going to hold you. I was like, I can't get into it right now. And I realized it's because I wanted to be like Avatar, which it's not. And so I waited it out and I was like, okay, cool. I can now watch. I'm going to watch it. Um, and I got out the mind. I had to get out my own really mindset of this is not like it's not going to be Avatar, yada, yada, yada. I mean, I had to get that mindset my bad and I get out of it. And when I finally got out that mindset, it was an A1 show. It still is, like I said in the last podcast. Again, this is my opinion. If this gets big, it's my opinion. But Legend of Korra is better than Avatar. Fighting words from Maria Colbert, everybody. <laughs> yes, indeed. So what about you, Ian? Uh, I'll be honest with you guys. I think the show was freaking terrible no i'm just joking the show is great um you know i have great. to remove you <laughs> <laughs> no you know i gotta spice it up a little bit but no um the show is great i remember when i first saw the trailer for it i was like wait what they're 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 continuing the story and i saw that it was a different avatar 
I was like, oh, all right, cool. And then I'm seeing like scenes of a public city on us. I'm like, wow, this is this is definitely not the last Airbender. And mm-hmm. when the show first came on, I was really impressed by it. The animation was crisp. Uh, the choreography was still on point. Uh, just seeing um, Tenzin and you know like Katara and all that that it just felt it felt like a great reunion for me. And as far as the series as a whole, I am not a part of that group of people who think the show is not good or that it quote unquote sucks. It does not suck at all. I think it's a very um, it's it, it's a different show set in the world of Avatar, and I very much enjoy it. And I will defend the show as long as I'm breathing so yeah yeah same <laughs> so yeah um as for me I mean I remember when I first heard about the show as well I think I may have saw it in like a newspaper article or um something online when it comes to like oh you know this show is going to be coming out and I saw the the first picture of it the first picture of uh yeah you, you have somebody from the water tribe and she's on a polar bear dog and she's looking at Republic City or she's standing and looking at Republic City. And that's the first picture that you see of Korra. And I remember seeing this like, oh, wow, this looks amazing. It's like, you know, you go from Avatar, which, you know, is like this ancient Asian civilization. And now you go into like the big city. And it got me really excited. And then when I read more into it, it's like, you know, it's like 1920s New York mixed with um, samurai um, style uh, media and um, all that kind of stuff. So I got more into it, and then I remember that 2012 was kind of like an interesting year, because if you remember from a few years prior, that this is when animation was, like, not doing very well. Like, there was barely any stuff going on for any of the networks. Like, you know, Cartoon Network, you know, if you guys remember that they had the whole, you know, we think cartoons are dead, so let's post up live-action shows. Like, Destroy, Build, Destroy. Yeah, it was awful. Destroy, Build, Destroy. Am I the one First of all, Destroy, Build, Destroy was elite. Destroy, Build, Destroy was an elite show. Um, I didn't watch it. But, it, like, that was when they had, like, um, Level Up, which was yeah. mid. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that one show, The Sketch Show. Um, yeah. I don't remember what it was called, but it was bad. The only live action show that I can truly defend from Cartoon Network was Destroy, Build, Destroy. I watched that show so much. I don't remember these shows. Basically. Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> so, I, I think I need to give a bit of context. So, you see, around 2007, 2008, this was during a time in which when it was kind of like toward the beginning of the end of the golden era. You know, a lot of people were basically saying, yeah, a lot of the shows that we're doing, you know, they're starting to end their run. You know, people were going in a completely different direction. So we're like, yeah, I think that cartoons, you know, nobody cares about them anymore. So, you know, that's this is when we had the live action shows. This is when we had, um, you know, all that kind of stuff going on for Cartoon Network. And then, of course, 2010 came along in which Adventure Time pretty much changed everything. Like, if you want to talk about a cartoon that truly defined 2010 and all the influences yeah. that came out of it, it's Adventure that's Time. true. Yeah, that's very true. Like, you know, and then, you know, obviously with um, Disney Channel, for example, Disney Channel was heavily relying on their live action shows. Kim Possible was ending. Proud Family was ending. So, you know, they were relying on like Hannah Montana and, you know, Austin and Allie and all those kind of shows. That was kind of a trash. It was not not that good. 
I remember yeah. more music than I care to admit, but I, I was really for you to say that and I'm just saying something. Disney Channel music has its own section in my brain, right? Like right, right. from sure. all these I different mean, shows. You mean like um, well, you mean like Ali and AJ or the Cheetah Girls or something? Yeah. So like literally in like from 2010 to like 14, I watched Disney Channel all the time, mm-hmm. and I would watch. Like, I would watch it every now and then as a kid, but, like, 2010 through 14 when I was in middle school, middle school, early high school, I watched it all the time. Okay. So, music from Disney Channel from the 90s to, like, 2013, those songs from those shows and movies live in my head rent-free. Okay. I can't, like, for the most part, I can pull up any song and just, like, know all the words and everything. It's a problem. Even if the shows weren't good, like Austin and Ally. I know a lot of the music from that just because it was on. Sure. But I, it's one of those things that, like, I watched but I wasn't necessarily a fan of. I understand. Yeah. You just watched it because it was on, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, but at least, you know, they had some, you know, decent stuff on Disney. I mean, Phineas and Ferb was still running. And then a few Elite. years. Yeah. And then a few years later, we would get stuff like Gravity Fall, Star vs. the Horses of Evil. And... Star vs. Horses of Evil? Great show. Yeah. I have not watched any one of those. Crap shows. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm 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 old school. You guys know me. I, I grew understand. up with the era when Boomerang was it, and then Toonami. Boomerang. And I love Boomerang. Toonami's so on. Well, it is. I understand now. Yeah, you know. So it's just like for me seeing this shift. I'm like, what the crap is going on? Like, yeah, I understand. I mean, like that? you have to understand with Toonami, they're going through like the. I mean, we're essentially going through like the second or third generation of Toonami, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we're not going to see, you know, like, you know, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho or Inuyasha. No. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or like Outlaw Star. Now, granted, I no, will say um, they've, they have bounced back nicely. I will they say. have. Assassination mm-hmm. Classroom is going to be airing. Oh. I'm surprised they put Food Wars on uh, Toonami. Food Wars is amazing. Food Wars is amazing, but that is borderline porn. <laughs> it, is. it is. I would know. But uh, I'll take your I, word for it. I'm gonna take Malia's word for that. <laughs> yeah, I'll take your word for it. It's it's essentially it's essentially Food Network on steroids. Yeah, because all food I've seen about naked people. Oh, because yeah. all I've seen for Food Wars is actual food, so I don't know about no. As soon as somebody eats a food that's really good, clothes vanish. I want you to understand that it's. Porn, literally, literally, literally it's food porn. It made it food porn. I Anyways, have so many questions about that. Yeah, anyway, let's let's get back. <laughs> okay, so so yeah, basically, even though that you know animation was going through its dark ages, I mean, at least Cartoon Network and Disney had something. Nickelodeon, not really. Like, man, if there was any point in which, like you know, that time of a decade where they struggled. The 2010s decade, Nickelodeon suffered the most. Like, they barely had anything good. And the thing that they did have good, then it didn't last for very long because Nickelodeon usually screws it up. So Nickelodeon messed up the end of so many of their shows. I'm really trying to think what shows were on during this time. The only one that they had that was running strong was SpongeBob. Well, okay, so it. let's okay, so let's talk about the late two thousands. So in the late two thousands, you had Tough Puppy, you oh, had okay. yeah, you have Tough Puppy, you had um, El Tigre, The Adventures of Manny Rivera. I remember that iconic. Uh, Back at the Barnyard, The Penguins of Madagascar. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Really, and those shows, 
Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they were they after the, like their six cancellation. Yeah, right, which is. And see, I think I get what Nickelodeon was trying to do. Like, okay, let's try to you know transition like you know to these animated shows based on these and. And this, and this, and, yeah, and this was around the time in which Sima Saragami was the the president of Nickelodeon, aka the worst president ever who ever front the sh- like. Ouch. I yeah no hey I definitely agree because yeah so dark time yeah it was very dark times I mean in the 2010s decade Nickelodeon let's see the shows that they had were like Fanboy and Chum Chum that was the show Ooh. that Nickelodeon did over Adventure Time I am not joking yep. They chose that yeah. over Adventure Time. They fumbled the bag. They, they did. fumbled the bag completely. <laughs> fumbled the bag. You know, was trash. That was garbage. No trash. Yo, you know what that reminds me of? When Blockbuster didn't want to buy Netflix and they and they laughed and at Black Netflix. Okay, you guys, yeah, which hurts my heart, but it's like, dang, that's what kind of reminds me. Yo, y'all yeah. just really messing Our up your bag. Yeah, we're Take talking about those. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're talking about that kind of. Yeah, we're talking about that level of fail. Yes. Yeah, so that's then, unfortunate. Yes, and then we had Robot and Monster. Then we what had so- Robot and Monster. It's, I don't even remember it, that one. It's, it, it wasn't that good. Yeah, it's about a show about a robot and a monster, and they go through wacky adventures, and they're obsessed over bacon. Yeah, okay, yeah, I've never heard of that one. It, it was yeah. it lasted for less than two seasons. It didn't really catch on, and then there gotcha. was Sanjay and Craig that also did. That, was that the one with the snake? Yep, yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah. My little cousin watched, watched it a lot. I was like, what is this? And I turned it off. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and and then there was Breadwinners. What is Breadwinners? That, that show... Are you here with these shows? Okay, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, no but like, because I, I don't even know how... Oh, because my little brother and my cousins, they would still watch SpongeBob faithfully. So... I would hear like the TV on, and then I'd see these pieces with these shows. I'm like, oh, um, let me try these shows out. Terrible. Yeah. Trash. Basically, Breadwinners oh, is. Oh, I know. Yeah, Breadwinners is essentially. Yeah, Breadwinners is essentially about two ducks, and the whole point is that they deliver bread. There's a lot of video game and pop culture and butt jokes in there, so yeah. It has a rating on IMDb oh, of two point four out of show. ten. Yeah. So clearly, it was not doing well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When this show came on, I turned it off. Yeah. It, I don't it, care who it was watching on TV. I said, Netflix, Hulu, it. I don't care. TV's going off. Yeah. The show is, no. Yeah. yeah the, the show, the show's garbage. <laughs> no, and then, I was thinking garbage. Yeah. And then there was like Pig Go Banana Cricket and uh, there. Yeah, it's not very good either. Nickelodeon, in short, they were just not doing well. They weren't. That, I mean, pretty much SpongeBob and, you know, pretty much like the last bit of Dan Schneider shows, like Henry Danger, Sam and Cat, and, you know, all those shows, those were the only ones that were like holding them together. And so now that we got into that context, in the same year that the 2012 Ninja Turtles came out, Korra came out. Mm-hmm. And Korra had a ton more hype because everybody was like really excited about it. It's like, hey, you know, Avatar The Last Airbender was like this nearly flawless masterpiece. I mean, you know, a lot of people were excited about Korra and see how that was going to turn out. It was a disaster from day one because as you guys know, and we discussed about this twice on the show, Nickelodeon didn't want to pick it up because it had a female protagonist. I'm, yep. I'm upset on Netflix that for Avatar Airbender says, oh, Avatar, like Avatar, like whatever. But for Legend of Korra, it says, 
a woman avatar and lady avatar. It's an avatar regardless, just like Aang was an avatar, was the avatar. Korra is the avatar. She's not a woman avatar. She's not a lady avatar. Like, I don't like how they put that in front of it. Because I think it's because everyone's so used to, everyone was so used to male avatars when you think about right. it. Because even in those little flashbacks, we only see, like in the original avatar, we only see Kiyoshi like twice. We see That's Yang true. Chen literally once. And Roku appeared like five times a season. Yeah. So everyone just Roku had in their mind a male avatar. That's and, because Roku was his master guy. Not master right, guy. but the thing is, though, not only that, surprisingly, and I guess we'll talk about this as the podcast goes on, but this is the, a lot of people's introduction to Legend of Korra, believe it or not. It is. So, That's and, true. And they kind of worry like that so people wouldn't be confused. Like, wait a minute. Wait, so Aang's not the avatar anymore? Who was this? I get it. They, they definitely should have said, no, this is just the next avatar. Happened yeah, they shouldn't have added the whole female thing, but yeah. Well, here's but, the thing: I, I know why it's called the Legend of Korra because in Europe, the show is not called Avatar: The Last Airbender; it's called Avatar: The Legend of Aang. So mm. I take it that they wanted to go more international, mm. where you know, know it's, that. yeah, it's true. Interesting. I thought it was because what do you call it? Avatar: The Blue One, the movie, mm. yeah, came out, and they had a little bit of. Um, copyright issues or something like that. No, that was why they, they changed the movie from The Last Airbender into Avatar yeah. because of the James Cameron movie. Oh, because okay. okay. they yeah. did release it yeah. like the same time. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, as for Korra, I mean, I take it that, you know, to ease more into an international audience, and since it wasn't like The Last Airbender anymore because, you know, Korra's a waterbender now, so I take it that, hey, you know, inst- you know, to ease to our international audience and to, like, make it a lot more easier for people to know, okay, this is what the show is about, so that's why they called it, a- you know, Avatar, The Legend of Korra, so, or just Legend of Korra, but... Yeah, so basically, you know, there'll be, then eventually Nickelodeon was like, okay, you know, we'll allow you to do this show. And so they wanted to do just 12 episodes. You know, they were only given like one season and they were going to do 12 episodes. And Mike and Brian basically, you know, wrote the story out. They had no fillers because they wanted to have a tight, concise story because they thought that they would never have this opportunity again. And, uh, you know, they, at the same time, they were working on, as we mentioned in the last podcast, the search movie, the TV movie mm-hmm. that was going to be about, you know, Ang and the gang looking for Zuko's mom. So right. I guess before we discuss about that, let's go into season one. So it's called, um, you know, Book Air, and it focuses on, you know, the introduction of Korra, and it takes place 70 years after the events of Avatar, The Last Airbender. So we see that Korra is the new Avatar. She is pretty much a prodigy she already learned you know the elements of fire water and earth, earth at the age of like four or five and yeah. when she turned 17 is when she like fully mastered all three of them and then eventually she knows that she has to learn how to use air and so eventually she goes over to uh the um, she goes over to Republic City eventually, and she lives with uh, Tenzin and his family. Tenzin is the youngest son of Avatar, who is the only airbender in the family. They have three kids. They have Jinora, Iki, and Milo. And Milo four- is that dude. Yes. <laughs> Milo is hilarious. Milo is that dude. Facts. <laughs> 
And then along the way, um, Cora learns more about pro bending when she listens to it on the radio. And then she meets up with her two companions named Mako and Bolin, and who are brothers. One of them is an, a firebender, the other one's an air, uh, earthbender. She participates in that. And then along the way, there's this talk about the equalists, about a group of non-benders who want to have the opportunity to live as peacefully as benders. And it's led by a man named Aman, who is pretty dark, uh, if you know more about his backstory. And basically, you know, it goes into that part of the story. And um, I have to say that for season one, and knowing that this was supposed to be like the only thing Cora was ever going to get, it's actually pretty well done. Yes, it yes, is. Very. It is. Um, what I like about season one is the fact that the, uh, the reason why the creators named it Air and had a core master Air is because for the original, there was no book Air. There wasn't. Exactly. Right, right. right. Um, and there's also a fan theory out there. I don't remember who started it. So if this does get popular, sorry, I didn't you know, say your name. But the reason that the um the other reason why it's book air is because it's to show that this isn't Aang's story anymore. Right. That um the only thing that Cora has to master is air, which is something that Aang has already, you know, mastered way back when. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just to really show that this is not the same show. And it's the re- same reason as to why in the intro it ends off with water instead of air again, to show that it's not the same show. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, book one was, I believe, well done. Uh, the story was complex. The, the characters were complex for the most part. And um, the world that you were in, while it felt familiar, it felt new. Um, if I could compare it to a, another franchise, all right, fine. The prequels, you still knew it was Star Wars, but it felt new. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with Korra. It felt new, but you still knew that this was the world of, of you know, Avatar, like the world of the bending nations and mm-hmm. all that. And just to see Republic City and kind of see when you go back to the comics, like its foundation to where it eventually goes, like, you know, how how much it's developed. It's really cool to see. And I think even from the comics, even though some of them came out after the show started, to see how Republic City starts and to where we see it in Legend of Korra, I think was really cool. So I think it did a fantastic job in more world building mm-hmm. and more character oh, yeah. development. Yeah, so in the comics, it does go more in depth about Aang and Zuko creating Republic City so that there will be a huge world of nations that can be able to come together in harmony yeah. and that non-benders and benders can be able to live in peace and prosperity and that um you know i mean if you were in the comics you know it didn't work out very well at first i mean it was like it was a pretty much a disaster it was yeah but over time you know generations after ang and zuko left uh you know their responsibilities and then you know ang passed away and then cora would come along uh, you know, there was still a lot of conflict that was going on, and it was up to like the the newer generation, in you know Cora's case, to kind of set things right that the previous generation wasn't able to do. Right. And and, and I think it's kind of interesting. You know, you have um, basically uh, the story of Cora kind of fascinates me. It's like, you know, uh, we were mentioning this in the last podcast about how you know Cora from the very beginning was trained to be the Avatar. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like a similar case in Aang in which like. You know, Aang is a kid and he's training to be the Avatar, while right. Korra is already trained to be the Avatar, but 
that's all she knows. She thinks that in order for her to be successful in everything, she has to follow in the traditions of the Avatar. A very similar thing to Tenzin, you know, because he's the only airbender and his family consists of airbenders. So he has this pressure that he needs to be the one to build up the next generation of benders. And so that's why he has all of this, you know, stress of, you know, I need to be the one to continue my father's legacy when in reality, he should have been focusing on being his own person. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 A lot of good, small life lessons, gems throughout the show. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And, and Amon, I think that out of all the villains in the series, Amon's probably my favorite. Um, Zaheer is a close second. Yeah, I would say Zaheer is my first. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Zaheer is that favorite. dude. Yeah. yeah. Zaheer said, I'm going to take the lungs out your breath. I mean, the breath out your lungs. I'm going to kill you with your literal <laughs> air. If, if Zaheer had a more detailed backstory, then I would have considered him my favorite. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I see that. I, I can respect that, but I think his ideals, you know, he's kind of like one of those villains where you're like, dang, he's a villain, but I kind of feel what he's saying, and I yeah. I felt that way with Amon as well, but with Amon's, like, reveals, like, oh, well, we alright, bro, like, you have some counseling to go through. Not saying that's bad, you know, it's like, you have some counseling to go through. With Zahir, it's something different, and to your point, Malia, I was, I was thinking, like, yo, if Aang really got serious, he would be unbeatable. All you got to do is just take the air out of somebody's lungs. Like, wh- what, Fire Lord? Give me your air. That's all you got to do. Bro, 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 right. no. Everybody wants to be a, a waterbender to blood blend? To blood, blood bend? No, no. I can fly if I master air. I can take the, lung, the air out your lungs. That's what I'm saying. You People see about air bending so bad, like, you guys don't understand. And also think about, have, like, Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Think about how in the show you can see the air. If airbending existed in real life, you can't see it. You can't right. dodge it. You can't block it. Exactly. No one knows where the air is coming from. So honestly, airbending is probably the most elite. Do I still want to be a waterbender? Yes. I, I think that airbending wasn't really taken as remotely seriously in Avatar because only Aang could use yeah. it. And right. Aang, and it's because Aang was a pacifist, he wouldn't do anything like take the air out of a person's lungs. Right. right. Aang was right. all, de- he was defensive when he fought using airbending. Yeah, while Zaheer like, was offensive. Uh, yeah, Zaheer yeah, was ready to kill somebody. Uh, I'm about to like really mess with y'all. Like I'm about to yeah, F go. y'all up pretty much. That's but I do get your point with Amon though. Like sure. he is a very strong villain. And uh, even with his reveal, I was like, oh, that makes sense. I was like, ooh. Yeah. You know, I love that Aang was a pacifist. Like, he stayed to his roots. I love that, right? Mm-hmm. But if you really think about it, because Aang was a pacifist and did not mark, um, I can't remember his name right now. Who, um, um, Amani. No, no, um, the other dude. Uh, who oh, his father. Oh, their father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't remember father. his name either. Amon would not have existed, my guy like that. Like, who would not have to deal with that? Like you, there right? are, are you talking about are you, are you talking about um are you talking about Yakon? Yeah, yeah, Yakon. Yakon. Yeah. Yakon. Um, yeah. Court like because Aang was a pacifist, that made Court have to deal with some stuff that she would not have to deal with if Aang just went around murking people. 
But I mean, in no. that, like, he stayed to his roots, that he was like, I'm a pacifist. I, I, I applaud him for that. But at the same time, your nonviolent route still caused more violence in the end. Mm, mm, that's that's uh, she, that could she's be correct. something. She's correct. Yeah. That is actually uh, the whole deep conversation. Oh man, I, if we had the time, I would love to go into that because <laughs> you do have some valid points, Malia. Then we could actually apply that to some real life situations. Yeah. But I think we'll just stick to TV for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aang, Aang, uh, I think he took the the whole airbending, air nomad pacifist thing. He he took that too far because, like, I don't. It's just there are times where, like, in the show where there were people who you you had to take out. You literally, had to murk some people. Even, even like, pe- like, Zuko. Zuko was ready for his father to be dead. When you think about it. Like, he was, he was just sitting there like, I'm going to, he was going to kill Ozai. But he was like, nah, the Avatar's got to do that. That's not my job. You know? So, but, uh, he took it too far though? for me. In hindsight, though, if it's like if um, Ozai, if Aang did kill Ozai, then Ozai would have gone out like, oh, okay, cool, he died by the hands of the Avatar. That's okay. That's what it. That would have made him a martyr. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay. That would have been. That's but true. because he was energy bent and lost his bending, he became a joke. Oh, you got your bending taken by a twelve-year-old? Oh, right. you, oh, you little, you little weak. Oh, you're not all that strong. Oh, yeah, that, like, I can agree with that. I could go with that. Yeah, um, I, I can see. I can see from that point of view, and it is kind of um, you know, a similar situation. You know, where I'm sure that Aang was probably thinking the same thing when you know he took away Yakon's um, bending as well. It's like, yeah, I could probably have this guy arrested or maybe like you know banished or killed off or something, but. Um, you know, he knew that on that moment, you know, he had to do something really quickly. Otherwise, you know, he was going to be killed off by bloodbending. That's when he was like, you know, I'm going to take away your bending and you're never going to be a threat to anybody again without him knowing about, okay, this is what's going to happen with Yakon, where he, eventually, you know, he was released from prison. You know, he was able to get plastic surgery to change his uh, appearance. He went over to the water tribe and he was able to find uh, a wife and he got two kids um turlock and um turlock, yeah yeah turlock and then eventually amon and then you know he was like you know, were trained you know he would train them to do bloodbending and then you know something that was deemed impossible especially in the original series was that yeah, you know yakon and um yeah he could they could bloodbend without a full moon yeah they could just bloodbend i just like I said earlier, if Aang went around murking people, season one would not have been a thing. Then again, season one needed to be think like yeah, it was like for the second story, <laughs> it, it it had to happen. I mean, here here's the thing: what I love about Korra, she she doesn't have the pacifist mindset Something or about female avatars. About female avatars are ready to murk anybody at a moment's notice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but but their reasoning is more than just, you know what I mean? So it's like, but throughout her journey in the show, she realized, okay, I, I have to do more than that. And I love how the creators just deconstruct core throughout the series. 
and we yeah. get to see more and more and more of what it takes to be an avatar. We only got to see so much with Aang because it was a particular situation. Now you have multiple people that you have to deal with. That's and you I have mean. the physical world blending with the spirit world. How would have Aang handled that in his time? You know, He wouldn't have been able to. In my whole honest opinion, he would have, he, like, Aang could not have dealt with what Korra had dealt with. He he was he was too much of a pacifist. I don't think the problem is Korra and I don't think the issue with the villains is that like because Aang was a pacifist, he wouldn't have been able to do it. At the end of the day, Korra did not kill anybody, right. if I remember correctly. Now her teammates killed some people, which is hilarious. Her teammates killed people, but she never did. Right. Right. Because, like, in season three, was Zaheer and his group, everybody got murked. Yeah. Except for Zaheer. But they kind of had was the only one. Oh, no, they did, for sure. But the thing with Aang, Aang never had to go through that type of, like, almost torture. Because for Aang, it was just a straight shot, let's beat the Fire Lord. And they did that, and they won. Korra was like... Equalist. All right, we're done with that. Oh wait, who's the season two villain? My uncle. Spiritual. My uncle is um, releasing the spirits into the the human world. That's all taken care of. Season three, a murderer right. is after me with his friends, and they are all master benders who have their own subsets of um bending that they have mastered and know. And season four, a giant titanium robot. Yeah, Aang would not have been um, able to take on any of that. She wouldn't have been. I mean, Aang would not have been able to do that. He never experienced that type of like back-to-back villainy before. Yeah, and, and it's not to say summer. that. And it's not to say that you know Aang hasn't had like to deal with just the Fire Lord. I mean, he had Azula. He yeah. Had um, you know June the a bounty hunter. There was Combustion Man. There was Azula and her group. So yeah, yeah I mean like. And of course, there was you know Zuko constantly chasing after them. So and they were and, all part of the same thing, though. Yeah, yeah, they were. I mean, but but to be fair, though, the Dai League I think was an interesting aspect to Aang's journey. That's because right. with Korra dealing with, with what she dealt with, Aang had to deal with espionage. Aang had to deal with conspiracy, you know. And that is one aspect they did bring it into Korra somewhat, but I I kind of wish they went kind of back to that realm with Korra just to see how she dealt with that. Yeah, like conspiracy also, and all that kind of stuff. But in you know Korra's yeah. case, it was a lot with fascism and civil yeah. war, and you know different ideals and um, you know all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean it, it's actually interesting. It's it's definitely a lot more political in that kind of sense. In yes. which like with season one, you know you have this guy who comes along and he's bringing up ideals that a lot of people have thought of for the longest time. It's like you know we're non-benders. We don't have that kind of power compared to regular benders. You know, bending has pretty much like ruined everything. It was the start of every single war that's ever happened. This, so, oh my gosh! So go ahead, it's go like you know, hey, where's our justification? You know, where's you know our sense of justice? You know, why can't we be treated the same way? So you know, then you have somebody who's like really extreme, saying we're gonna fight for this in exchange for that. You know, we're gonna have this going on. You know, well, Amon is like rallying up a bunch of non-benders and teaching them about chi blocking and giving them right. you know powers involving with like, hey, wear this glove, wear have these rods that you can be able to use electricity to fight off re- regular benders. 
and then, hey, you're, you're good to go. Uh, you know, with, um, you know, Udalok's case in which like, hey, you know, I'm going to open up the portals because, you know, your, you know, your, your tribe has been, you know, desensitized by the spirits for the longest time. And hey, you know, we're going to end up having a civil war with the North versus the South. For the Southern Water Tribe to be like to court, this is your home, protect us. And then for the Northern Water Tribe to be like, you're the avatar, fix this. I was like, dad, let the girl like, she wants to be for her home, but she also is fighting with her avatar duties. Yeah. My guy, just let her chill, chill out. Chill out. <laughs> Chill out. Calm down off of that. You know, if you remember that, remember, as the avatar, she has to be neutral. She can't choose yes. a particular yeah. side because you, uh, you know, as the avatar, you have to be the bridge between all the nations. If you go one sided, then you know, all the other ones are going to think that you're a traitor. Like, you're, you're going to lean more towards, like, one side over the other. I mean, it, it, with season one, the non-benders were about to be arrested by, you know, the police force because, you know, they turned off the electricity and they were, like, questioned saying, oh, you're you're part of the equalists and, you know, we're going to take you into jail and we're going to get you questions and all that kind of stuff. And then the non-benders were talking to Cora saying, you know, please, Cora, you're our avatar too. Please help us, you know, prevent us from being arrested by the police. Yeah, season and, one is what happens now in today's yeah, world. Yeah, <laughs> and, and see, and, and, and that's the funny thing. Good storytellers know how to bring what's going on in the world today and throughout history into the storytelling. Yeah. And Patricia, it's funny because when you said that Cora was more political, like it's like a light bulb came on. I'm like, yo, this kind of feels like what George Lucas dealt with with Star Wars because the originals, oh, it, it's about a boy, a princess, and a scoundrel versus the empire. With, with you know, a last airbender, it's about a, a boy and his friends versus this evil empire known as like the Fire Nation. Yeah. And then with Korra, oh, it's too political. She does this. She acts this way. And then with the prequels, oh, Anakin acts this way. He's this. It's too political. And it's like, no, these stories are more complex than, than just good versus evil. It's okay. What makes good versus yeah. evil? Now, how do you handle that, that, that balance between good versus evil? What about the gray areas? You know, like and arguably, are, I think politics made it more, like it made it more interesting. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Because That's with my Star whole point. with Star Wars, I I can say the prequels when it came to the political stuff, they just kind of touched on it. But then you have the Clone Wars, where just like it's mm -hmm. a major part of the series, and it adds so much to canon, it adds so much to the lore, it adds so much to the characters. Because in the movies, let's say, for instance, Padme, you don't see Padme in the movies really, like, doing political duties like that. Like, right. she might have a scene where she's talking to the Senate or she's acting as a queen or blah, blah, blah. But in the show, she is, like, she's that girl. Like, she is going up against politicians way above her pay grade, like, fighting. Corrupt politicians at that. Right. Oh. For the president to kick her out, to be like, yeah, no, you're not welcome here anymore. Exactly. Yes, yes. And what do you do right? with the avatar? And it's like, yo, the president just kicked me out. Like, what? Because she had to deal with, like, when she's dealing with the world essentially outgrowing the avatar. Mm -hmm. that, That's literally that, what Let's Four is about. Right, because you have all these literally. people, they're like, um, we, like, even, like, from the jump, season one, where you have the equalists who are taking out benders one by one, taking their bending away, taking like she blocking the avatar, giving the avatar run for her money from the taking very away her jump. bending. 
Right. From the jump, we have her just like, the world is being like, we have outgrown the need for your existence. So please leave us alone. We can do this ourselves. End of season one. People are always debating about this. They're like, Corey wasn't about to commit suicide. Can I say that? Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead and do it. Um, Cora is about to, not about to commit suicide. She's just going to a cliff to think about her life. I'm sorry, no, but she, her she was big thing just got oh, yes. taken. She, she was, was contemplating to, that. She was. She was, she was really. She was like, the next avatar would be better than me. The next avatar would be more fit for the role than I am right now. Mm. I'm about to end mm. my life, which is oh, why yeah. Aang said what he said. What was the quote? Um, uh, when we're, we're at our lowest that's when we find the light. Yes. Or like, yes. Like, Hallelujah. Bro, sorry. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. If I'm that sad and I'm contemplating my life, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go to a cliff. I mean, if I'm that sad, I'm not going to go to a cliff to contemplate my life. I'm going to yeah, a cliff was, to go I'm jump going off to of it. Yeah, yeah. And see, that is the beauty of Legend of Korra. It's when you deconstruct the avatar, not just Korra, but the avatar. You take away the purpose and the meaning of the avatar, what's left. When you depend on your bending and your role to define you so much, who are you really? And the show really deconstructs that throughout all four seasons, throughout all aspects of the avatar. And that's why I love the show so much. It's a, it's a more complex story for a more complex character. Kudos to Mike and Brian for taking that kind of risk because you know, they could have done Avatar 2.0 all over again. It's like, you know, it would have been the same thing over and over again. Like, so you know, we have, they yeah, like, yeah, I, I think that probably, I, I remember when the show first came out, a lot of people were disappointed with it because, oh you know, they felt that, you know, Korra was unlikable. I think that was one of the first things I remember yeah, listening she's about. She's too cocky. I'm like, get the heck out She's, <gasps> Oh. She's she's a polar opposite of Aang. She's gonna exactly. be talky. She's gonna exactly. be arrogant. Exactly. And she's yeah. been trained for Aang. this her whole life. She's right. not Aang. She's not that pacifist monk. Which nothing wrong with that. Let me be clear. I actually love Aang as an as an avatar. But yeah. like, but it's it's okay to be different. It's sure. like um, yeah. like okay. For example, again with Star Wars, Qui Gon Jinn. He was not the prototypical Jedi. That's why he was kind of outcasted by the Jedi Order. He's like, no, forget the will of the Council. I'm doing the will of the Force. He was different. Same thing with Korra. She's like, okay, I'm about to smash this Avatar role. I'm about to kill it. No one's going to stop me. Oh, but there are actually people that can stop you. What are you going to do about it? Everybody's stopping you. Right. Right. What do you say, Malia? <laughs> okay, Malia. Sorry. I just, I have a lot. Of, you, this is truly one of my favorites. I have a lot of thoughts. Go um, ahead. I don't want to put you guys off. So okay. basically, two points. The first point is, Corey, you guys all know that gifted syndrome. Like the gifted kid syndrome. Mm. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're referring you to, to right now. Go ahead, Malia. I preach, know exactly preach, what you're preach, referring preach, to right preach, now. Please, Malia, preach. That Go is correct. If you do not know the gifted kid syndrome, it is mm. literally, as a kid, I did great. As a kid, I didn't have to study. I didn't. Everything came naturally to me. I was super smart, yada, yada, yada. And then I got to high school, and I didn't know how to study. <laughs> I didn't know what to do to prepare for anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to do my yeah. homework. What came easy to me is now hard, and now life is hard. I don't know what to do. I'm struggling in school, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Take that yeah. and put that in core, and that is whore. Exactly. Her, sorry. Um, 
she was a gifted kid. She was a gifted kid. She was the avatar. She realized that at a very, very young age. I want to say what, four or five? Yeah, four yeah, or five. Like, 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 don't avatars realize that they are the avatar and went to like age seven or something like that? that? Yeah. But she was bending they earth, water, and fire at like four like, years bro. old. And see, Malia. And so she grew up with that mindset. And then when things didn't come easy to her, aka spirituality, aka Airbnb, like everything Go else ahead, like Malia. that. It knocks it out, and people are like, "Oh, she gets too, she gets too, um, she gets, um, she gives up easily. She she doesn't give up easily. It just doesn't come easily to her, and she gets frustrated, and so she doesn't want to try because it's like, if I'm not that good, then what am I?" I think that's one of the reasons I really like Cora as an avatar because I was one of those gifted kids who, like, uh. literally the the principal of my school when I was maybe seven seven or eight, maybe younger, I was sitting in my classroom minding my business. And my teacher, no, the principal came into the class, pulled me out, and I thought I was in trouble. She brought me to her office and literally had me do a bunch of like stuff. Like I had to do math problems. I had to read these books that were designed for like 10th graders. And I'm doing it in front of all these people. Like I was the gifted kid. And then when like around middle school hit, it was like, okay, wait, I actually have to do stuff. And I like, you know, like as a kid, I was not burned out, but you know, I was frustrated because I can't do this as easily, blah, 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 blah. So that's why I like, I relate to Cora because that gifted kid syndrome, that is real. And it is one of the most painful things you ever have to experience. Yeah. Like being told as a child, like, oh, you're going to do great things. You're going to do this, that, and the other. And then growing up and not living up to what you thought you can do, what other people said you could do. Yeah, it's it's the worst. So that's why I get Cora, because Cora, like everything in her avatar training from the time she was a child, like she she could barely walk and she was bending fire, water, and earth. Yeah, like the very first thing that we saw from Cora was her. <laughs> You know, when the White Lotus comes on and, you know, after right. searching for years of where the next Avatar was after Aang died, you know, they went from, you know, all the parts of the Northern Water Tribe and they couldn't find it. Uh, they couldn't find the Avatar. So finally, you know, they go over to the Southern Water Tribe and then they're saying, oh, you know, we've heard stories that you, uh, your child is the Avatar. And then the moment that Korra comes along, she yells out, I'm the Avatar. You got to deal, deal with, it. with it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That, was, that, that was great. Yeah, uh, believe it or yes, believe it or not. Fun fact: uh, that was the voice of uh, D. Bradley Baker's daughter, Cora Baker. Uh, for those really? who don't, yeah, Aww. yeah. So for those okay, who don't know, okay. yeah, for those who don't know, D. Bradley Baker. Uh, you know, he does a lot of the animal noises in Avatar. You know, he was Appa and Momo. Yeah, and uh, you know he's he you know he does he did Paku and he did like all the sky bison noises and <laughs> and Cora. You know, he was also the voice of um, of Tarlock as well. And oh. yeah, Good vocalist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, he's way, a very, very talented vocalist. By the way, uh, he also plays the voice of all the clones in Clone Wars. So shout yeah. out to Pete Valley Becky. Mm-hmm. Yes. Shout out. Part two to my little rant. So, also, if you think about it, um, people like to compare Core and A. You should not do that, obviously, to different shows. A character you can compare Core to who she's more like is Zuko. If you think about Ooh. it, yeah, I've been putting a lot of thought into this. Um, the reason I say that is because 
Zuko likes to run headfirst into issues, show that he's strong, show that he's like, I can handle this. I don't need to think or anything. Like, I'm like, I'm going to go headfirst into the battle. I have to prove my strength. Mm-hmm. I have to prove my worth through my strength. And that is Korra. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, because she, I'm sorry, you're spitting gems. You're, 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 you're spitting gems because Korra, honestly, I think another thing that she suffered from, she didn't have at certain times the right teacher. As for Zuko, he had Uncle Iroh, who was like the master Yoda of Avatar everything. You yes. know, whether it's Last Airbender or Korra, when he showed up in the spirit world. By the way, I almost shed a tear when we saw Iroh again. I was like, no, oh, Iroh, bro. <laughs> when General Iroh spoke, I said, is that Zuko? No, that's facts. I was that's like, facts. I recognize that voice. That's, something's off here. I said, Iroh, said, oh, yes, yes. And I was so hyped. But Korra, and again, I'm so, look, y'all, I, I'm sorry, but these, these parallels between these two franchises are just so great. Again, with Star Wars, Anakin didn't have the proper teacher to guide him throughout his year, so he had to go through all these trials. It's the same thing with Korra. Yeah, she had teachers to teach her how to do these bending, but how to be the Avatar, that's something totally different, you know? So, mm-hmm. like, with Anakin, how to be the Chosen One. That's the, Qui-Gon would have been better equipped to teach him as opposed to Obi-Wan. For, like, you know, Korra, Tenzin's worried about, okay, I need to be an air nomad, I need to keep the tradition alive, I'm gonna help Korra because, you know, she's essentially my dad low-key and all that but you know um it's not like, okay eventually he's like no i need to teach you how to be the avatar not how to be just an air nomad you know like i that's what i need to teach you and she kind of failed to have certain teachers to instill that in her and it's through those battles with the enemies that she faces is where she learns how to become a better avatar that's the irony of it that people don't get so malia you are really? a gym if you guys can't realize this is I said this before, but this is honestly one of my favorite shows. Like, I hate watching, I hate rewatching shows within the same year. I'm literally rewatching Cora. And I watched it Christmas break. Mm-hmm. Not even Christmas break, Thanksgiving break. Patricia, I know you were talking about it, I think, a couple podcasts ago, uh, about your favorite season of Cora. Yes, one that's right. Okay, so. Yeah, yeah, season three is way better. Yeah, I mean, like, I, it's kind of like, you have to understand what the context of each of the seasons were. So season one, Mike and Brian, they knew that this was going to be their, their last one. So it's like, okay, let's put in everything we got. Season two, oof. I mean, nobody likes season two, let's be honest. I like season two. I actually like back on season two. Yeah, I, I, I like just... season two because it's a here. <laughs> I mean, ooh, I said season two. Season yeah, that, three that's three. because it's a here. Yeah. Season two gave some... The whole spirit world thing, that was kind of, it was kind of mid, but it did expand it a little more compared yeah. to what we got. But here's the, the thing, like, I can understand what happened because, as I mean, you know, Nickelodeon saw that Korra was a smash hit. And so they told Mike and Brian, okay, we need a season two, like, now. And they didn't have the time to, like, flesh out the stories and all that kind of stuff. So the moment that you see the first episode of season two taking place six months after season one it it just feels kind of rushed rushed and regressed i mean cora to me in season two was unlikable like she was like pushing around her father and mako saying like you know whose side are you on you know why do you have to do this dad why do you have to you know um why didn't you stand up for me mako it's like 
you know, I don't know what was going on with that segment. It's like, you know, she went through so much in season one. She almost lost her bending. She was able to get it back thanks to Aang. And also, you know, with when it came to Unalog, I mean, Unalog's ideals for the spirit world was actually really interesting, but... yeah. Yeah. The, the, the very, conflict very. the conflict kind of felt kind of half-baked. It almost felt like a little bit of a diet season one to me. But I can see that. I can respect that. Yeah. Yeah. I can yeah. There are some stories of the, the, the second season that just felt a little bit slow and dragged out that maybe like if they cut off some of those things, it would have flowed a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the things that kind of salvaged season two for me were the introductions of Avatar one. I knew, yeah, yes, absolutely. That was great. That was great. And then there was that was probably the best episode to me. Yeah, that's yeah. Season yeah. The the I would say that if there's anything that season two that I can find that I can see, okay, yeah, that's justified. Was the introduction of Avatar Wong and the origins of where the avatars came from. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people are still angry about like, but in, in Avatar The Last Airbender, you know, the show introduces that, you know, airbending came from Sky Bisons and earthbending came oh, from... Oh, the techniques came from Sky exactly. Bisons and Badrimals and the dragons and the moon, but exactly. the bending itself clearly came from the lion turtles. Right. It's it just makes like, the most it's, sense. What, what, why do people not understand that? That's what I'm like. I don't how, know. how do you guys miss that in, in translation? That's exactly. it's obvious. I know. It, it kind of reminds me of like in Pokemon where everybody was like thinking, oh, you know, Mew is, uh, you know, the, um, you know, basically has the DNA of all the Pokemon. And they thought that, you know, Mew was like a god or something. But then when Arceus came along and then, you know, Dialga and Palkia came along and they were like, wait, then wait, well, hold on. So you're trying to tell me that Arceus was the creator of all the Pokemon that would have happened to Mew. I mean, yeah, it's true that, you know, it is a little bit confusing, but if you think about it, you know, Arceus did help, you know, create, you know, let's just say that Arceus created Mew and Mew was the one right. that kind of helped populate it because of its massive DNA of all the other Pokemon. And then Dialga and, Pal- uh, Dialga and Palkia, you know, they help us space and time. So that's how we, you know, that came to be. So yeah, uh, right. I guess it's kind of like that equivalent or something. I don't know. I, I I think for season two, I'm just going to be, be real quick about this. I think season two should have been the last season because then it would have left the whole open world for the possibilities. Because the way they did season two, they did want to wrap up the whole Avatar thing, period. Like, all right, this is it. You know, like when sure. when when Korra loses her connection to past Avatars, like, no, you are the, you're pretty much now the first Avatar again, you know, like, like, now you kind of force a path for the avatars to come after you. Yeah. And the concept I loved, I just think it's, that should have been the last season. And I think in hindsight, the creators probably like, all right, if we knew what we know now and how things would have played out behind the scenes with, with you know, Viacom and all that, we probably would have saved the second season for last. Because that is actually a great ending for the series. I'm like, dang, I wish they said this for like season four. That would have been a great ending for the series because that would have been the ultimate challenge for Korra. Okay, now the spirit world and the physical world is combined, and how do I deal with no longer being able to talk to Aang or Roku or Kyoshi or any of the avatars? Like I'm on my own now. Yeah, I am my own, you know, person of um of my guidance or who I seek wisdom from. Sure. I could go to to Uncle Iroh, but he wasn't an avatar. He's not an avatar. He's mm-hmm. he's wise, you know. So that that aspect of season two and with Avatar one, I really enjoyed. But I will say, even though I'd still like it, it was the weakest season to me. Yeah, it is. Let's be honest. 
It, it, it was the weakest. Basically, quick three little points. Go for it. Go for All right, it. For season two, I do like the fact that she lost Raba um, for that split second and lost the connection to the past avatars because you literally see her become a giant blue spirit without Raba and defeat Vatu. You yes, know how right. powerful you gotta be by yourself for that? Yeah. yeah that's and then after that, and then after she did get Raba back, literally season three and season four, all that like fire, all that like strength, brute strength that we see, all that um, avatar strength we see, Remember Roku said, oh, all the, um, all the things from the past avatars, that's all the strength in the avatar state. That's Korra and Robert by themselves. Right. That's you true. Know, that's very true. Strong, yeah. Like, people are like, oh, she's so weak. Bro. Korra was she's not flying. Weak. Heck no. was literally flying without the whole airbender let go of the, no. She was zooming through the sky, keeping that's up with Zaheer, Tearing up mountaintops to throw at that man. And it was just her and Raba. I'm going to say it. I think that whoever is the next Avatar, if they just have to deal with Korra, they'll probably be fine in the Avatar state. Thank you. Korra has so much to teach them. Korra has so much to teach them because of what she's been through as opposed to Aang. And again, it's not a knock towards Aang. I love Aang. But it's like Korra has been through so much. So have Korra one else has down. Seen, Korra has had to deal personally through the run. Like, this is what I think. So, y'all, anyone who's watching this, leave me alone. I, <laughs> I wholeheartedly believe... <laughs> I wholeheartedly believe that throughout, you know, the run of each show and comics, Korra had to deal with more than Aang ever did. Yeah. Like, yeah. She Fast. she had to deal with so much. She had to deal with a world that didn't want an avatar anymore. She had to deal with a world who, even without bending, could take on the avatar and win. Like there was so there were so many things that were happening throughout her tenure as an avatar that Aang could not even fathom. And even if he did, if he was there, he might have just shut down entirely. Because you know you like. When even when Aang found out he was an avatar, he left. Like he panicked and left. If he had right. to deal with all of this, I really don't know what he would have done. Yeah. To be completely honest with you. Point two. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. it's a, just a little little fun fact. But the teapot that Iroh carries around carries around with him is the same teapot that Juan put uh Raba in. Yeah. It's a little cute fact. All right. Mm-hmm. Point, oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. All right. Point three. We cannot talk about Korra and not talk about Asami. Here she go. <laughs> Here she go. Uh, we love you, Malia. We love you, Malia. Go ahead. Um, I, I will, go ahead. I will admit, I believe that Asami is probably the most capable non-bender team avatar in either iteration has ever had. Ooh, like, you're going to piss some so, people off, Andrew. No, you're gonna but here, here's, the thing, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You're Sokka, right, but you're going to piss people off. Because Sokka was... So Sokka was a tactician. Sokka planned everything. Sokka knew what he had to do in order to like, what the team had to do to get from wherever they were to wherever they had to be. Sokka was a planner. In terms of that, he is obviously superior. And I'm not saying Asami's my favorite non-bender. Sokka is the best, for me, he's my favorite non-bender. But Asami was the most capable and she was like the best one the team had. 
because she had the money. She was the one yeah. funding Team Avatar when you think about it. She was a significantly better fighter than Sokka was. I'm like, yeah. Let, yeah. let's be real here. She yeah. had the genius. She came up with their gadgets. She came up with her own, like her little hand glove thing. She murked. She basically murked her own dad almost. Ba- literally, she was yeah. like basically murked. Basically. I want like mm. Asami just had so much more to her that made her the. To me, she is the best non-bender. Is she my favorite? No, Sokka will forever be the best right. non-bender to me. But, but Asami is. She was better equipped to be yeah. on the team. Yeah. She, I, agree. I don't. I think they contributed an even amount, honestly. But she you should pull out a notebook. I feel like I'm she's gonna you. show us something. She offered. She like. I don't know. I just think she's better. Also, fun fact: didn't know this till the other day. Asami is voiced by the same actress who played Princess Yue in the live action movie. Yep. Which yeah. I really? will. Yeah. Say Chell. Say Chell Gabrielle. Yeah. I will argue that that alone is a better redemption arc than Zuko ever was, because... <laughs> Ooh, oh, okay, 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 okay. I, I thought you were talking about Asami, but you talking about the voice actors. Okay. I was like, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Ian, I was going to be like, whoa. I was like, whoa, hold on, bro. All right, but I got you. No, I was like, you... Can we talk about gayness now? Can we talk about the bias? Can we talk about... Please go, Malia. Talk about what you got to talk about. Okay. So for the viewers, again, if this gets popular, hopefully it does, that don't know, I am gay. I am a lesbian. I like girls. I'm a woman-loving woman. We get it. We get it. Dang. So, basically, for me to see Cora and Asami was amazing. But a lot of people were like, oh, this came out the woodworks. Oh, this was, like, not planned. If you go, we're so used to seeing heteronormative um, ways mm-hmm. in TV. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. weren't like, unless you are part of the LGBTQ plus community, you won't pick up on certain cues that were being dropped continuously throughout the show. <laughs> right. like, and I have to give you credit for that just because I, like, at first, I'll admit, I didn't see it. I was like, this kind of came out of nowhere. And then oh, yeah, I did not go, see in, go back and watch it again. And, you know, now that I'm still learning to become a, a storyteller, I can, like, kind of see what certain storytellers are like, you know, trying to do with their works. And Malia pointed some things out, and I was like, wow, she was right. This yeah. wasn't just... Yeah, there are just like little tiny hints that you were just like, oh, oh! Right. And it all starts to click. Like, for a prime example, um, when they get stranded into the desert, and they come back, Asami does not want to leave Cora's side. It's not because they were trapped together, but because she wants to make sure she's okay. Mm-hmm. Asami was to the ground or to the um no she was on the um had her hands up in the air like tra- strapped like that. Cora was treated like a can I say that word? I was gonna curse. Was treated like a slave. She had a muffler muzzler muzzle on her face muzzle uh, muzzle, muzzle on her face. Had her hands tied behind her back, standing up straight. Uh-huh. She wasn't offered any type of water or anything. While Asami was over here. Low kids being treated like not low key, high key being treated like a human being. While Cora, Cora is over here being treated like a dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's she wanted to make sure she was okay. They were writing to each other. She was the only person that was writing to Asami throughout that whole three year gap. What do you think they talked about? Oh, I want yeah. a little cute date. No, it was more like, 
never mind, never mind, never mind. Yeah, was, you know, yeah. Listen, you, might Leo, to, you might have to tell. Uh, this is for uh, a censored podcast, Malia. <laughs> yes. yes. Who said something out of pocket? Yeah, yeah, we know. Censoring. We know. We know. W- welcome to the midnight screening of the Banjo broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, <With> Malia. Like, <laughs> bro. And you really think, and then also, was it season three or season four? I don't remember when Maka was acting all weird and then they had that little, like, cute girl talk moment. Bro, they were having that all throughout the, th- at the, um, series. Three-year break. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's true. And then, bro, they went to the spirit world at the end of season four. What do you think they did in the spirit world? The comics actually. The comics made that very clear. There's a comic that explains that. So. Yeah, the comics made that very clear. Yeah. The comics made that really clear. How, you know, they. Yeah, if and also uh, Mike and Brian even shared like some uh, they they shared an official picture of them riding inside of um, of a turtle duck and they were like uh, hugging each other while fireflies were going around. I did see that. And yeah, then there was also um, you know they were like walking around in the spirit world and Cora was showing Asami about like all the different plant life and the creatures and all that kind of stuff and then as expected and and this is was something that i remember that seychelle and janet was reading on the twitch stream uh where they actually did read through the comic nice then we also know kai was gay not kai um what's your name katara's daughter katara name's daughter oh that's right kai yes that's very true yeah i see that i picked up on just yeah i was like oh yeah i was like Oh, she don't like guys. Yeah, that's true. Because, yeah, yeah. Because if yeah. you remember when um, when when uh, um, Cora introduced Asami over to her parents, they were accepting of it. But Kaya was telling Cora, uh, "You have to be careful on what you say when you're introducing Asami to people, because you know I, you know I'm gay, and I had a struggle when I first, int- you know, when I first, you know, fell in love with somebody." So, you know, she didn't want her feelings to be hurt. Right, yeah. right. Oh, no, that's true. Also, Kaya was that girl. She was that yes. bender, okay? Yes, yes. She, she was, was that female dog. <laughs> Stop. Malia, <laughs> Stop it. Yes, we, we, we know Malia. We know. We, we know. know what you want to say. Wait. But, I yeah. couldn't say it. Quick, you can um, say it. Quick clarification, because I saw this somewhere in the fandom, and I don't know where they got it from, but Katara did not tell... Um, core that she had to keep like family mat like her being um, by a family like keep it to herself. That was her father that said that. Mm. I I don't oh. remember reading that in the comics though. But I, it, um, could be a, it could be a fan thing. I don't know. Oh, it might okay. be a fan thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Also, cute little fandom that I saw and it was so cute that um Kaya and Boomy were like really close because you know. Ang was not around during their childhood. Yeah, Ang was a terrible so, father. But yeah, that's like that was a shock day. when I first saw that. Yeah, yeah. That's it a was, I was like, huh? and I still have to read up on that, but I was like, what? Wait, hold on, Ang? Right. Is a bad father? What? You have to keep in mind, Tizen was the only other Airbender had to install all that into him, which I understand, but I don't like. Um, but going back to the point, really quickly, the little cute fandom I saw was that um, Kaya first came out to Boomy and was like. 
I'm gay, yada, yada, yada. And then, um, like, her and Lynn, Lynn was, like, her first kiss. They had a little thing going on. Because I got such a gay bye bye troll. Oh, Lynn, same. Yeah, oh, yeah, Lynn. Same. Yeah, Lynn, Lynn Bay Falls. 100%. Like, yeah. yeah. When yeah, I found out she was with Kenzen, I was like, are we sure? I don't know, actually. I mean, I know that if you remember from the show that Lynn and Tenzin were dating, and then right. But I'm sitting here no, like, are Sue, you my bad, sure my bad. about Sue, that? Sue, 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 my bad. Oh, Sue. Sue. I got. Oh, I got Sue Yin. Hmm. Oh, I get more so. lesbian vibes from. Uh, the, I forgot Lynn. the name already. Yeah, Lynn. Lynn. I get more yeah, from yeah, Lynn yeah. than Sue. Yeah, I'm yeah, Sue, I mean, at least I get Sue. it from both. I get it from both. I take it back. I'm thinking about the characters <laughs> both of them. I mean, I can. Lynn is gay. Sue is by. I mean, maybe okay, yeah. sure. I mean, maybe at some point, maybe she was, and then eventually, you know, she was able to find, you know, her, you know, her, her soon-to-be husband, and then they had their children together and all that kind of stuff. Maybe, but yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, it. Ha- so basically, from what I understand, I mean, I know that they go more into the relationship of Asami and with Korra in the comics, but as for I the series, they didn't. Because I don't have money to go pay for these books, and I don't want to read the hard copies. Yeah, so basically, uh, you have Kaya, Bumi, and Tenzin, and uh, Bumi is the only non-bender of the family, and, right. you know, he's like this general, and, you know, he comes up with these really wacky ideas. He's kind of like the jokester. He, he definitely reminds me a lot of Sokka in that kind of Oh, story. yes. Yeah. Girl, yeah. No, that he is took Sokka's after Sokka. nephew. Yeah. <laughs> right, that is Sokka's nephew for sure. And and obviously we see why Aang and Katara named him Boomy, you know. Yeah, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and he was Kaya, the oldest, right? Kaya, Kaya. Yes, he was the oldest. Boomy's yeah, the was, oldest. Yeah, oh, Boomy's the okay. oldest. Then Kaya, then Tenzin. Where did yeah, Tenzin's I, I, name come from? That's uh, the only name I couldn't place. Kaya. Yeah, that's okay. Tenzin... Kaya is Katara's mom. Because when I first, when I'm thinking about it, like the first name that came to my mind for an Airbender child was Gyasu. Yeah, Thank and, you. I'm and, very and that is one complaint. People had. Well, how come Aang didn't name him Mangiats? Like, well, that's probably too painful for him. You know, it's like true. I don't. Yeah, want to I mean, but like, also think about yeah, Katara and, naming um, Kaya. Yeah, like for example, Tenzin is a very common name for like uh, a Buddhist. Uh, for, I mean, that's currently. I mean, that's uh, you know Tenzin Gyatso. That's the name of the 14th Dalai Lama. Right. So, oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. So it's like if we have oh, Mangiatso, you know, as the last name, and then we have Tenzin. So it's like we're connecting it to, you know, Hinduism. So, you know, basically both Tenzin and Mangiatso were named after the Dalai Lama. All right. Interesting. Okay, I like that. Yeah. I like that. So anyway, so going into the, the story about the three of them. So I think it's really interesting when going into book two about like, you know, how Tenzin has this, um, you know, kind of like a... Um, you know, he, he has this assumption that they had the perfect family. You know, it was like him, his mom, his dad, and his brother and sister. But, you know, his brother and sister were, like, really angry at Aang because, you know, they weren't treated very well. I mean, essentially, right. you know, because... And we saw it, it in the show. Yeah, we yeah. saw it in the show. Like, you know, Ka, you know, Kaya, you know, was forced to stay in the Southern Water Tribe to take care of Katara after Aang died. And... You know, she, you know, was basically like a, you know, a person who like lived her life free. And then she was like, felt like she was constrained. And Boomy was the only non-bender. So he felt like, you know, he had to compensate a lot so he could make his dad proud. But, you know, he never, he never could. Right. I mean, that's kind of pretty sad if you think about it. It's like, you know, Aang was a great character in a lot of aspects. But the one thing that I would have never expected was him being a terrible father. Right. Yeah. 
him being a bad father and Katara letting it like go on like that. I think that was the biggest problem I had with the show was like, first of all, Aang was a person who like would treat everyone equally no matter what. Right. And you like, if that was Avatar Aang. And for some reason, me finding out that him treating all of his children differently because they weren't airbenders really did not sit right with me. And also Katara, who is like, even from the jump, she was the mother of the group as a whole. Like she was the one taking care of all of them. So me thinking about her seeing the mistreatment of Bumi and Kaya and just letting it happen, that that messed me up. I was like, I, that's the one thing about the show that I cannot stand. Sure. How they do yeah, that. I think I think um, with Katara though, just real quick, Malia, just I, I, I promise this will be quick. With Katara, I think what it is with her allowing it to happen is okay, how important this is to Aang to make sure Tenzin gets the proper airbending training because this is Aang's he's like, okay, I'm not the last airbender anymore. I have an opportunity to continue or to bring back the air nomads, you know? So, and that's not an excuse as to why he was a bad father to the other two kids, but I think Atari knew the importance that that was to Aang. So I was like, okay, as a mom, what what do I do? I want to make sure that my husband is happy, but I do have these two kids who are being neglected. Yeah. You know, so. Um, for Ian's basically set my point, but I wonder what life was like before Tenzin. What was he like as a father? That's like, another thing I want to know. Like, what do you call it? We know when Kaya came out, Aang was overjoyed. He was just like, bet, cool. You're gay. Bet, 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 bet. I support it. So, like, we know he was supportive of his children. We know that much. But, yeah. no, but actually... Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to find out about, you know, what happened. Another thing that, you know, I mean, there's a lot of questions in Korra that a lot of people are still wondering about, like, you know, um, many years later, like how we were questioning about, like, you know, what happened to Zuko's mom and all that kind of stuff. Another, you know, a whole bunch of questions rise from it, and I hope that it gets resolved in the comics. It, um, with Zuko's mom, it does, right? Yeah, it does. I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm, talking for, yeah. I'm talking about for Korra. One of the questions oh, that, okay. yeah, one of the major questions that I see for fans about what they want to know about from Korra is, who are Lin and Suyin's fathers? Bro, mm. it's not Sokka. Yes. It's not Sokka. Mm. It's yes. not Sokka. Sue's Sokka father is Sokka. Not abandon them. Sue's father is Sokka. Sokka died. Yes. Yeah, okay, died. but she, no, no, but beforehand, before his death. Um, they were like, oh, your father was really never around, like, yada, yada, yada. Okay, can I, can I give a theory? Can I give sure. a theory? Yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead. I don't, I don't know about Lynn. I don't know about Lynn. I don't think... Well, according to season four, Toph said that Lynn's father's name was Kanto. Right. So we know Lynn's father is not Sokka. Right. right. But I think that Sue's father is Sokka. And here's my theory, right? Okay. So, Toph is Toph, right? Yeah. And <laughs> what, like, throughout The Last Airbender, we see that she kind of has these no, no, fledgling, it's a big like, fact. It's a big fat crush on Sokka she has. Okay, I was just trying to make it as, you know, yeah, she has a crush on Sokka, right? And we see that in the show. I'm, my theory is that Sokka and Toph got together and talk about pregnant, right? 
if anything, I think Toph made Sokka leave. Yes. And there's yes. nothing. Like, how, how are you going to tell Toph no? How? You no, can't. I, and, and I, I do agree with you. And I was going to get there, Andrew. And I'm glad you brought it because just because people love each other doesn't mean that they necessarily fit, if that makes right. sense. Sure. So exactly. I think how, 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 how Sokka was or is and how Toph was or is, they might have had feelings for each other, but it might not have been a, great, a good fit for them just because right. of how they are. And, like, you know, just knowing Toph, she's like, well, Sokka, if this is how you feel, you can leave. And Sokka's like, well, I'm not going to change Toph's mind. I guess I will leave. You know, or like, yeah, which I'm kind of thinking... makes it kind of, which also kind of makes it interesting considering that, you know, in, if you look at the flashbacks from Korra, they interacted with each other a lot because Sokka yeah. was the councilman for Republic City and Toph was the one who founded the Republic City Police Force. Right. Yeah. I, I think that, I don't think that Sokka was the issue. I think legitimately it was Toph being like, we work too close together or some, some other factor that caused her to be like, I don't want you to really be in this child's life like that. I think wholeheartedly it was an issue with Toph and not Sokka. Right, right. That, the, just, that, that's just always been, that's just always been my thing. And at first I thought it didn't make sense because like, oh, Sokka had Suki, but then I read up and like Suki died really young. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I don't, wait, wasn't that fan made? I, cause one of the creators I believe did say it. I don't think it's fan made anymore. I feel like it's a canon thing, but I could be wrong. I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I heard that. I heard. I that. believe Sokka is Suyin's father, and that's that on that. And yeah. maybe he could have been in Sue's life, but like, like, like a um. I don't know if anyone has watched Arrow. Like back when Ollie first found out he had a kid, and he was there, but the kid didn't know that that was his father. Oh, it could yeah. be a similar yeah. type of situation where like yeah. Sokka was there and he was just always like Uncle Sokka, but like Uncle Sokka is your father, you know? Yeah, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of knew. like it kind of reminds me a little bit of like Metal Gear Solid. Um, okay, Patricia. Yeah, yeah. The Metal- gaming references go crazy. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, with Metal Gear Solid, you have a character named Meryl Silverberg, and she believed that uh, the colonel of the game, Roy Campbell, was her uncle. But then it's revealed that no, it's not her uncle; it's her father, and she didn't even mm. know about it until like way later in the game, until Metal Gear Solid Four, I think. And she still oh. kind of had resentment for him until eventually, you know, she got married over to Johnny, and then you know they made amends. And I I think another situation it kind of reminds me a little bit of is is Watchmen, in which how... Oh, wait, wait. The show or the movie? The show or the movie? Yes. And so basically... Wait, I haven't watched the show yet. (laughs) I haven't watched the show. Okay, okay, okay. So um, the comics or the movie, uh, one of those. I haven't seen the show. Anyway, so... Okay, okay. I should watch it, by the way. It's a really good show. Yeah, whenever I get HBO Max, I'm watching it. Continue. Okay, so... Yeah, basically, um, you know, with Watchmen, it's kind of like a similar situation with, um, you know, Metal Gear Solid in which it's like, oh, um, you know, I don't know who, um, you know, my father is uh, when it came to like the discussion of, um, uh, what was her name? Um, uh, Silver, yeah, Silk Spectra, that's what it was. Yeah, so Silk Spectra didn't know, well, you know, who her father was. I mean, you know, she knew that she had a stepfather because, you know, her mother was like the original Silk Spectra and, you know, she was around with a whole bunch of other men and that kind of stuff. And so, 
um, you know, then it was like revealed like toward the end of the movie that, you know, the, the comedian was her father. Yeah, but how they, oh. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's in the comics, but I don't, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, but yeah it, it's, it's kind of like an interesting point about like, you know, fan theory, maybe Sokka was in Suyin's life, but maybe, you know, he died young because, I mean, let's be honest, when we get to Korra, it's 70 years later. The only people who are alive in Korra are Katara, Katara Toph, and, and Toph, yeah, Toph and Zuko. That's it. Everybody else is dead. You guys know that dragon that Zuko rides? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You remember the episode where um Aang and Zuko go to like the drag like to the Fire Masters and the Dragons and they see an to the egg? Warriors. Yeah. The he egg is that dragon that Zuko rides. Oh, the little egg thing that they moved and then everything went oh Yeah. Little Game yeah, of Thrones. Smart. Smart. But little facts. You're smart. You're smart. <laughs> also Also, can we talk about how um, Katara and Toph were like, yeah, I'm gonna leave it to this new generation, basically. While Zuko was like, right, Zuko I don't know like, about that action still. Zuko was the only. <laughs> God, Zuko was the only one to fight in that show. It was good to even, see Zuko. Was, even Toph was, was just kind of like, eh, I don't want to get involved. This is y'all's fight now. Katara stayed in the South Pole for the whole and show. See, Zuko, as soon as ah. something popped off, he was like, Honor. <clears throat> yeah, I hate and, you. And but, see. <laughs> Legend of Korra should have did what the sequel should have did. Just oh, I'm not gonna get into that. Anyways, um, I, I think yeah. having the characters in there was a because they they weren't an overbearing presence. No, they, they weren't. weren't. They, they were just like in one one or two episodes. Toph was the one with the longest screen time, and I think she was only there for like three episodes. Yeah, yeah. and, and I remember. Yeah, and I remember that really disappointed the fans. I remember that I saw this one picture, like that was revealed in uh, San Diego Comic Con. That they gave oh, old friends. Yeah, the old friends and the friends. new friends. Yes, that did hype me up. I was like, oh snap, we want to see more of the old gang. Yeah, I, I would have liked to see them grown up. Yeah, yeah that, that's exactly what everybody said. They said this is what Cora should have been. You know, it's like, hey, let's get focused more on the old cast with the new cast. But nah, again, nah, that's nah. not what the show is about. Exactly. And I- yeah. Especially like, let's think about because you have um, if you wanted to have like the old cast and a new cast interact, first of all, already impossible because in in order for the new cast to interact with the old cast, at least one member of the old cast has to be dead, and that's Which is the Avatar, right? Yeah. And every this everyone has their own like. Everyone wants their sequel. Everyone wants a continuation of something else. Having an entirely new cast of characters is a good idea. Like everyone wants to see things like brought back, like the old team back together and blah, blah, blah. No, we had that with our comics continuation. Now, do I want a grown up version of Team Avatar? Yes, yes. absolutely. Not forcing the old team into Korra was a good move yeah, by Nickelodeon. They I only had them in the like a guest role. Zuko was in like an episode or two. Katara appeared in an episode or two. Top not having tough fight in that battle with Kobira, I think was really smart. Yeah. Because like it this is a new team and everyone in oh. the show seems to believe like except for Zuko. Zuko was just like, let's fight. But he having said, them just like step back, having everyone step back and let this new team take over, 
really showed like even the creators like passing a baton on to this new team. Right. Now I'm like, not gonna let's lie. Let's not focus on the old ones. That that could have worked either way with Toph fighting. Um, okay. Oh, I, I just I just Kavira. forgot. Kavira. Yeah, yeah, Kavira because that would have been interesting to me because okay, I'm the one. Well, besides her and Boomy, like we're the two that really kind of founded metal bending. Let's see what you got. You know, I that would have been interesting to see, but for story purposes, I it it would have taken away, I think, from Cora and Kuvira's struggle. Yeah, because that was the whole point. The whole point of season four was that you know Kuvira basically helped you know the nation out when Cora was recovering from her fight with Zaheer. It took her four years to recover. You know she was going around in underground fights trying to find herself. She still has a little poison into her body. She went over you know to the swamp so that she can be able to find Toph and that she can be able to you know connect over to her um you know to her avatar state again so you know that was the whole point it was the point of the struggle between is the avatar even needed anymore right so you know the fact that kuvira was able to showcase that hey you know we don't need the avatar anymore we can fend for ourselves and all that kind of stuff well at the same time kind of like manipulating people saying you know we need to um you know work for this we need to you know collect food for this we need to you know obey this and obey that and all that kind of stuff it, it's actually like you know once again going into like uh you know how aman kind of like did it in which like you know i'm going to convince people about this and this is right and we don't need you know this anymore you know the age of the benders is over and all that kind of stuff it's like right. what you're saying like you know the age of the avatar is over avatar. and for ourselves so you know again you know going into the more of the political thing in which like you know this is what um it is like it, 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 even with like um, in season in season two, in which like you know you have Varric, who is like creating these movies that is part serial, part war propaganda, saying, "Hey, right. go yeah. to yeah. our side. You know, this side is evil. This side is good. You know, mm. believe us or something like that." So, yeah, I mean, like, and also, um, you know, shout outs to Zelda Williams, the daughter of Robin Williams, who provided the voice of Kuvira because she did a fantastic job. Oh, I didn't know that was her. Phenomenal wow. job. I didn't know that was her. Literally, Legend of Korra has so many big name actors for no reason. Serena Williams was in Avatar and Korra. I don't know who she played in Korra. Mm-hmm. Um, J.K. Simmons those voice Tenzin. Yeah, yeah. It's J.K. Simmons uh, Tenzin. You have Mindy Sterling as Lynn. Um, yeah. Yeah. Janet Varney is Cora. Um, mm. You have Allison Stoner as um. Uh, what's that girl's name? Opal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. They just have all these random like names, and I'm looking through the cast list, and I'm like, did they blackmail these people? Well, not really. A, I mean, like to be fair, it's you such know, a random I mean, assortment. Well, to be fair, Avatar also had its uh, you know cast of characters. You know, you had you know uh, Jack DeSena, Sokka, and Mae Whitman as um, Katara. Mark Hamill is uh, Avatar. Oh, that, was, right. that was my, yes. that was my, I forgot. I forgot. Um, one of the voice actors that was in Avatar's Airbender, I think it was Azula or something like that. Yeah, voiced um, one of the people in the girl with the um, no arms. Yeah, that's her. In yeah, Legend of Korra. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah great, yeah. great Delilah. If Griffin, you listen yeah. to it, if you listen to it carefully, same voice actor. Like when I was yeah. when I was watching it, I think the second time I finally picked up on it. Yeah. Yeah, they have a lot of returning voice actors. Zuko came back to voice General Iroh. 
Yeah. Yep. And also, um, Jesse Flower, the voice of Toph, came back to voice as uh, whether I think it was either Young Lin or Young Suyin. I think that was what it yeah. was. Right, right. One of those. Yeah. And um, I, I think, just on a side note, I think it's cool that they named the character Mako after the actor Mako, who played uh, yes, Iroh. I, yeah. And, and he is voiced by David Faustino. Like, yes. I never expected to see David Faustino in a voiceover role. Like, right. you know, this is the same guy who played as Bud in Married with Children. Yeah. Like, they, they just brought all of these actors and was like, hey, we want you to be in our Avatar show, people you never saw coming. And they're just like, oh, yeah, okay, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, like, for the most part, a lot of the people that they brought in had never seen Avatar. I believe that. That's true. Okay, so going back to the whole um, old gang, I'm happy that Toph said, yeah, no, this isn't our fight anymore. This is up to you. You, you don't see Katara getting in that mess with the Civil War. She said her butt down. She said, I'm out. <laughs> she said, this is not my problem. Um, what else did we talk about? I forgot my other points. Uh, we were talking about Kuvira, and we were talking Oh, about- okay. Yeah. So with Kuvira, what I liked about her is basically she was an adopted daughter of Sue. Yeah. Right? right. If you remember. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that she was like, yeah, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to kidnap you. I'm going to kidnap you and your family. Well, no, did she kidnap Sue? Yeah, she, she did. Yeah. Dude, she and was and, and, and she was, and she was, you know, and she had uh, Sue Yin's son as her fiance. And Bro, she was, she was that's right. Him. That's right. She said, she said I'm going to you. Uh. That redemption arc was clean. Yeah, I mean, you got a point there. Um, yeah. So, real quick, Patricia, no, real quick. Yeah. Um, you know a, a lot of the backstory. Okay. As as far as like cohesiveness and things of that nature, this series had a lot of trouble behind the scenes. Oh, so many. I can tell you so many stories about what happened. It's this. this like I said, production was a mess from the beginning. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay, so as we okay, so we already established like the two seasons. Okay, seasons three and four. So the creators were essentially animating three seasons all at once. They were yeah. they were still animating. You know, Studio Mir was the original studio. You know, season two they weren't available because they were doing the Boondocks. So they were like, okay, we're gonna call Studio Periot, and Studio Periot is also the same animation studio who worked in a lot of anime such as Naruto and Naruto Shippuden, and. Right. Uh, then, uh, you know, essentially, you know, uh, Studio Mir came back tour in the middle of season two. So there's a right. little bit of inconsistencies with the art. And around the same time, the animators were still working on some episodes of season two, some episodes of season three, some episodes of season four, all at the same time. And then there's also the fact that, as mentioned in the last podcast, where, you know, like they were cutting down episodes and they were going to show some of it exclusively online and never show it on TV until much later on. And then there's also the filler episode, which I told you guys about, in which like they couldn't pay their people anymore because they were running over budget and they wanted to fire a lot of their animators. And Nickel- uh, you know, Nickelodeon was really close to like letting people go because of that. And then Mike and Brian had to beg them to say, please, if we just do this one quick clip show episode where we just use old footage that we already use can you please keep our workers and they're like sure whatever we don't care anymore we're already putting your stuff online so that nobody can watch it and we're not even going to tell anybody about where you can watch it at you know who cares so 
yeah, like, oh God, like this, sh- the production of this show is a mess. Like Nickelodeon clearly didn't care anymore after season four. They just posted most of the stuff online, didn't show it on TV until much later on. And, you know, they were, they moved on past that point. They're already focusing on more SpongeBob episodes. And then the Loud House started becoming really popular. I love the Loud House. They yeah, have a mom. gay character or bi character. I can't remember. There, there, there's two. Like, two? Uh, you know, there's there's the Bart's parents. father. Yeah, there, exactly. And then there's also uh, one of the sisters. Luna. Yeah, Luna. Luna Loud. Clyde's yeah, father. I wouldn't know. There's an interracial couple with a black kid, a black dad, and a white dad. When I tell you that show was progressive. I've never heard of this in my life. Yeah, I've never heard of it either. But It's because I, I have little cousins that I watch these shows. Like, uh, Craig of the Creek. That beautiful that's basically i've heard good things about that show i've heard very good things about craig of the creek Mm -hmm. one of the characters a lot of the characters in the show are a part of the lgbt community like yeah and for craig of the creek i really watched a lot of cartoon shows anyway but yeah so that's the basic i mean there's a lot more to the behind the scenes stories of cora but that's just the gist that's pretty much what i'm just gonna say about it yeah and it wasn't treated as well as last airbender was no not even close not even close like i mean you have to understand that this was there i mean you know this was like this you know the the third president of nickelodeon herb scannell this was his you know one of the last years that he was working on nickelodeon as the president right before he stepped down and then sema took over and basically um you know nickelodeon was still going through the whole nicktoons death treatment in which like hey your show's not doing well we're gonna move it to the nicktoons network and never reveal it to anybody right i mean they they still do this by the way they did it for rise of ninja turtles did that show not do well nope because okay (laughs) you know i figured that kids would have liked it and like obviously adults would have been tired of it but i figured some kids would have watched it yeah yeah I mean, like, it's, it's, it means no exception. I mean, like, Nickelodeon just has such a huge, huge scale that you have to hit if you want to be able to become successful. If it doesn't hit the SpongeBob scale, you're pretty much dead. Like, you, you know, you, you, don't get, you don't get a third season. It's like, you know, goodbye. So, I mean, the yeah, only one... Yeah, Viacom's dropping the ball. Yeah, I, I guess this is why they lost a lot of money and then they merged with CBS. Yep. Uh, they have to do it. That's tragic. Yeah, yeah they, 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 they just don't get it. They really don't get they it. Don't, they don't really care anymore at this point. So, yeah, I mean, so now I, I think this is, a prob- this is probably going to be a major reason why we will never see another animated incarnation of Avatar ever again. Which makes me sad. Yep. So sad. Because, ah. it, I mean, if Mike and Brian would have gotten better treatment with, um, you know, doing Korra as opposed to, you know, keeping the mindset about like, okay, we're going to move the schedule around. We're going to give you this amount of episodes. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. If they would have gotten the same creative freedom that they got the first time, then I'm sure that they would have stuck around. I mean, I have a theory. I have a theory that, you know how, um, you know, there's some cases in which like, you know, they started doing like the TV movies, like with Rocco's Modern Life, Set of Kling and Invaders and Mentor the Floripus and the Jungle Movie and all that kind of stuff. I have a really strong feeling that if we only gotten that season of Legend of Korra and then the movie would have came out, I think that the show, I think that the franchise would have continued going. I think yeah. that all the stories mm-hmm. that we have gotten 
from, you know, Avatar The Last Airbender, continuing on with, you know, the story of, you know, when Toph starts off the earth-bending and metal-bending school and with Aang and Zuko meeting up so that they can be able to, you know, unite the nations together and all that kind of stuff. I think that we would have seen a lot more TV movies based off of Avatar, kind of like how we saw a ton of TV movies and specials for the Fairly Odd Parents. Right, I agree. And um, mm-hmm. if, you know, maybe at some point, hey, let's see if we can do Korra some more. And I think that, you know, it would have been like another franchise, kind of like how Rugrats and SpongeBob are, in which like we've gotten so many specials, we've gotten so many movies, you know, we're going to continue on with this. And maybe we could have gotten, you know, the, the third incarnation of Avatar, The Last Airbender. I mean, I mean, Avatar, in which like we have the male Earthbender and, you know, it's going to yeah. take place in this year or whatever that it takes yeah, place in. Yeah, I agree. Because when you see how successful Nick's shows were in the early to, well, from the early 90s to the mid-2000s, you see the kind of treatment that they were given, you know? They have time to flush out their stories, flush out characters, whether it be Rugrats, Rocco's Modern Life, uh, Wild Thornberries, those type of shows. I mean, the way that the comics are, are set up, you could tell the way they wrote those comics that these should have been you know, either TV movies or like a movie that would have been released in theaters. Can you imagine, even after the disaster that was The Last Airbender, if they were able to release an animated Avatar Last Airbender movie? Yeah, like what was the last time that we had a lot an animated um, movie based off of, I mean, okay, not counting SpongeBob, but I think the last time was like, what, the My Little Pony movie or something in which like you'd have a movie that came, and the Teen Titans go to the movies, but that's beside the point. Right, so it's like you you would have had that, so you, you would have had TV movies, uh, and like even Dante Bosco, he he read some lines from the Search, uh, what do you call it, comic book, and he's yeah. like, yeah, Nickelodeon, let's do this. And I'm like, yeah, no, we're not gonna do it. I'm just like, why? From what I can gather, they don't do well like with their popular shows. Once they have reached what the studio considers to be the end, they'll just kind of cut Which it. Which I hate. I hate it because you got. Like, okay, I'm going into live action here. But you have, like, a show like Victorious, which was a gem of a TV show. I don't care what anyone says. And they just kind of ended it out of nowhere. And, like, you got Zoe 101 ending it without any closure. They don't end their shows with closure. I mean, closure. to be fair, I can understand why Zoe 101 ended, because that was when Jamie Lynn Spears was pregnant. Right. Oh, but that's right. At, yeah. at the same uh, time. Wait, 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 that's rumor. That no, no, no. That, 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 that she was not pregnant. She, Jamie Lynn Spears says it's a rumor. Everyone else says it's factual. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know which one to believe because, you know, Jamie Lynn, she's an actual person, but she also hasn't given a reason as to why the show was canceled to begin with. Sure. And it was, Um, it was immensely popular. I read somewhere for Zoe 101 that she just got, she wanted to go back to school. She got tired of it. Okay. I could see that. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, that th- that's that's why the Naked Brothers band didn't last for you know. Uh, that's why that show ended as well. Bro, nobody remembers that show, and it was one of my favorite shows. I yeah, remember I, it existing, but I've never seen an episode. It was alright to me. To me, it was alright. I've never. Yeah, seen I mean, an that's, the, that's that the exact reason why the show ended was because the boys wanted to go back to school, and Nickelodeon was like, "Okay, well, if you want to go back to school, then you know your show's canceled." And oh, by the way, we have the the um, the trademark for the Naked Brothers band, so you can never use that name again. Again. Yeah, and see, yeah. that's and, and, and that's the key. And I think now, Patricia, like I guess correct me if I'm wrong. What 
what is okay what can the creators of, of avatar do with the actual franchise because well, i know netflix has a deal with viacom but do they does viacom actually own the rights to anything last airbender or anything in the world of avatar? i mean for the most part yeah i mean if it's like with craig for example craig bartlett the creator of hey arnold if he wanted to do the jungle movie he couldn't just do it by himself because they still own the rights to it so i mean but here's the thing like you know they still are doing the comics so dark horse is still helping them you know with you know continuing their storylines which you yeah. know it's fair enough because you know they you know they, they can they have the creative freedom to do whatever story they want but you know with the, the the exclusivity deal with netflix and maybe with cbs access and all that kind of stuff so i, I mean they are doing if you remember that nickelodeon is planning on doing a lot of exclusive stuff on netflix specifically so yeah, yeah. i'm sure if mike and brian are able to lick the wounds off of the distrust that the network did to them then maybe they could release some exclusive stuff on netflix but that's going to be really hard because i mean even when cora was out a lot of the crucial people who worked on that show left to do other projects. Uh, Joaquim Dos Santos worked yeah. on season one of Legend of Korra, and then he yep. left to do Voltron. Yes. Better and choice. Yes. Better yes. choice, because yes. Voltron is awesome. Anyway. Yes. And then, uh, and then of course, you know, so uh, a major person that, uh, you know, a lot of people felt was deeply missed oh, was man. Aaron Ehaws. Aaron uh -huh. Ehaas wrote some of the best episodes of Avatar The Last, the last Avenger. Right. He never worked on the show because he was doing The Dragon The Dragon Prince, Prince. right. Yep. Which is a great show. I'm so behind. I need to finish. Yeah, I, I, I actually need to watch the show. I watched the first two episodes, and I liked them, but I was like, all right, I, it kind of needs to pick up a little bit from here on out, but I heard yeah, that it picks does. Up. Trust, so. trust. It, it, it picks well, up. Can we, do, can we do one about The Dragon Prince? Because I was going to go into a whole tangent just now. But I was like, we don't have the time. Yeah, I've I, I I haven't watched it. I mean, if you guys are like waiting for me, that's cool. But if you guys want to do it, that's fine. I'll just now, if we want to do another episode, we should do a Voltron episode. But that's just me talking. We have to do Shira, Kipo, Steven Universe, I'll um, do, Harley Quinn. I'll, I'll do Shira and and Harley Quinn. I'm Steven Universe. I I don't know. Wait, is Steven? <laughs> Universal one where they had Sonic and Tails show up and they won the episode. No, no that's that was, OK um, KO. Yeah, that one. How was that show? Is it decent? There is a lesbian person in the show. And that's okay, the but is the show good, Malia? <laughs> is it a good show? <laughs> uh, no, I'm Malia. sorry. A lesbian can love you, Malia. Malia, we love you so much. We love you so much, Malia. Love you, I mean, right? like, just because, I mean, you know, yeah, exactly. Just because a person, you know, just because a person or a group of people, you know, represents LGBT doesn't mean it's good. Alan Gregory. I know. Everybody. I, know. I haven't, I haven't watched. I'm saying that's the only reason why I'm going to watch it. But oh, from what okay. I saw, from what I saw, it's not that great. But it can't, maybe you pick up. Maybe. Isn't it? I canceled now yeah it's, it's an old it's, show yeah it, it's um it, it it ended i think last year or two years ago Dang. i think yeah, it's the, only, the only reason i even oh, the only reason i knew about it was because they were doing a crossover with sonic and tails that was the yeah, only even sonic reason and tails can save it oh man and captain sonic planet can't save themselves planet was on there yes what the heck what yo? what what kind of show was this we yeah. need to do a podcast on captain planet that is one of the most interesting shows of all time hmm. oh, Noted. i have to go watch it so just give me time okay well 
That and gargoyles. We 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 do gargoyles. Absolutely. I'm watching that right now. I'm like, oh, this is Disney is stupid. Why aren't they doing more with this franchise? Oh, oh, you want to talk about a franchise that screwed that was screwed over? I can go on a tangent about what they did with gargoyles. Are you you serious? I'm serious. Oh, that's another episode. That's an episode for sure. Oh, oh, okay. Malia, you have to watch gargoyles if you haven't watched it. Patricia, we're gonna do it. We're gonna right. do it. Because, yes. I, I mean, in the last episode, you guys went on a tangent for ten minutes, giving me suggestions. So it's like, That's let nice. me go through the list first, please. Wait, hold on. What's the next I'm show sorry. that we're doing? Well, I mean, I think. I'm joking. I'm joking. I think that the next show we're doing is uh, let's see. From what I okay, so it's a lot. Like we have Steven Universe, Shira, Kipo, Owl House. The Tron series. Tron! I love Tron. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the Pixar and DreamWorks movies, uh, Dragon Prince, Voltron. Too much. Anyway, but yes. Um, anyway, but yeah, like we, we have a lot to talk about. But yeah, uh, I guess we, let's, uh, I guess we have to um, wrap things up because if not, then we'll be here forever. But it, as, I, as I mentioned before in the last podcast in which like, you know, Avatar has gotten a major resurgence ever since the show came back on Netflix. And a lot of people, when re-watching Korra again, some of them have warmed up to it. Others have said, yeah, this is just as, you know, disappointing as it was the first time I saw it eight years ago. Oh, so, um, so I understand that for some people, they're going to be really mixed with it. I just want to put this into context that you need to get your mindset saying, this is not the same show as the original. I know the original had a high standard. I mean, yeah. like when it came to like the quality and the tight writing and the characters and all that kind of stuff that Nickelodeon shows have ever done, it's probably the best one they've ever done. Not probably. I believe it is. I mean, it is a show that will still be remembered like many years from now. Like there's a reason why when it came out on Netflix, a new generation of kids um, are now tuning into it. Like a person, I mean, did you hear about the one, uh, the, the news report on IGN about the 17 year old who had never seen Avatar The Last Airbender was so in love with the series that they decided to make a full on musical of the show. Like wow. that is, yeah, amazing. <clears throat> so, wow. so they're pulling a Harry Potter is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and again, I mean, I know you're probably like, Ian, uh, enough with the Star Wars, but you see why George Lucas gravitated towards that show. You know, it's it's this type of storytelling that's in his realm of like, okay, kids beating the impossible odds. You know, so it, it's 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 one of those shows that are gonna stick. And I think for Cora, I am happy to see more people starting to warm up to it. Yeah, like how people are starting to warm up to the Star Wars prequels now. Um, I think because, I think that you have to give it time. I think that yeah, yes. I think I think that when the show came out, a lot of people were still kind of on the mindset that it's going to be the same as Avatar. But I think that once everything cooled down and once the hype started to like diminish, so now people are seeing it for what it is and knowing that you know the show didn't exactly have a great time when it came to production. So oh, now okay, I yeah. think that with everything that's been going on nowadays, I mean I think I think I remember seeing like. Um, uh, context of like, oh, you know, Cora, you know, it, it works better now than it did in 2012 because, you know, everything that's going on in our nation, you know, with, like the, whole, with like the whole Black Lives Matter and Make America that's Great Again and all that kind of stuff. That's fair. Like, that's you know, fair. It, it, it might have been ahead of its time. That yeah. might be the case. It yeah. might have been. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe it's kind of like a case in which, like, you know, 
it, it's a show that just needed some time to appreciate. Uh, it's kind of like um, I, I was doing um, for my podcast series, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you know, the 2005 version with uh, Johnny Depp. Oh, with Tim Burton. Oh. Yes, that's the one. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people were comparing <laughs> okay. it to the 1971 version, the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory with Gene Wilder. And a lot of people say that the 2005 version is nowhere near as good as the 1971 version. Well, a lot Tim of people... Burton's not the same director as the other guy. It's, it's... it's because I watched both of them and I want you to understand I was shooketh when that kid ate the mic. <laughs> I think I remember you sharing that to me uh, on group me. It's like, yeah, he ate the mic. Ate I was the mic. shook. I was like, did, did he just put the mic in his mouth? What is going on? Yeah, Man, I mean, what the heck? Tim, you kind of have to have a certain flavor for Tim Burton. I mean, I know this is kind of sure. off topic, but once you can appreciate his vision for things you can enjoy his movies more yeah you know he's an acquired taste for people yeah but the point of the matter or what i was trying to bring up is that when the movie came out um you know many people were like oh but it's not like the original version you know johnny depp is not gene wilder you know that kind of stuff but i now i think more people have warmed up to it now but mm. i think that with cora i think that you know if you had high expectations you know going in from Avatar after you, you know, watched it or even rewatched it and then go straight into Korra, you're going to understand that it pulls a lot of punches. I mean, it takes a lot more risks. It's yeah. a lot darker. It's a lot more serious. It's a lot more exactly. risk-taking. It goes right. into things that the original never did. And I think that kind of threw people off. It's like, you know, what happened to the balance between the fun and the serious? And, you know, the world building isn't as good. And, you know, people say that because, oh, you know, they're, they're stuck in Republic City the most of the time. What about in the old show in which, like, the Avatar would travel uh, to the place? But the whole we've point... We've seen the other nations. We've yeah, seen and, the other nations. And so, here, here's the thing. The whole point of, you know, the reason why Korra was stuck in Republic City was because, if you remember from season two, that she was, you know, basically stuck in the Southern Water Tribe because she was being watched over by the White Lotus. And she thought that, oh, I'm doing this because, you know, Aang told me that I needed to be protected, when in reality, that's not true. Right. Korra's family was protecting her, so she didn't really get to experience the entire world. And with her noticing the entire world for the first time and seeing all the problems that a person had to go through, you know, she cracked under pressure. That was the point. So, and he you was know, a gifted homeschooled kid. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yep. That's and, it. And I understand that a lot of people were kind of like let down saying like, you know, oh, you know, I expected better, which, okay, you're right. We all expected better. But once we know about the production issues and all that kind of stuff, it, you know, it puts you into perspective that, hey, the creators wanted to do something well too. It's just that they had to work with the fact that they only were going to get one season. Then they're, you know, they had to rush season two. And then when they were working on all the episodes all at once, then Nickelodeon was like, yeah, we're just going to put your stuff online because we don't care anymore. So yeah, like, let's be honest. I mean, the production is pretty messy. It's probably one of the messiest that I've ever experienced when it came to like, you know, this is what happened behind the scenes and this is why the show didn't turn out as well as they wanted to. So yeah. the, the stuff that they were able to pull off that was really good is a miracle. Like some of yes. the episodes are so heartbreaking. Some of them are so tragic and some of them are just so beautiful that, you know, I, I can appreciate that they were able to pull it off as well as they did. The music is just as good as ever. The bending is just as good as ever. The way that exactly. they were able to utilize the technology is really clever and amazing. Some of the characters are amazing. So 
I say, you know, for people who had high hopes, they were disappointed when it first came out in 2012. Give it another chance. Like, I would suggest that maybe a second viewing of the show and knowing about all that kind of stuff, it makes the show more better to watch. And it's it's still great. I mean, it's still definitely right up there with some of the best that, you know, Nickelodeon had ever put out. So, yes, especially during that time. Please. <laughs> yes, I, you, know, it, you know, it was that, you know, when it came to the 2010s decade, you had this. Ninja Turtles, Harvey Beaks, and The Loud House. That's it. What is Harvey Beaks? Yeah, Harvey Beaks. Name shows. Yeah, Harvey Beaks. Uh, it was created by C. H. Greenblatt, who also worked on various other shows like SpongeBob. It's a, it's about a kid named Harvey, and he has two friends, and they have their adventures outside in the woods. It's it's actually a really good wholesome show. It, it's just a shame that once again behind the scenes issues and um, Nickelodeon canceled the show and. Z.H. Greenblatt didn't know that they ended the show until he saw wow. it on Tumblr. <laughs> wow. And then, is... he, and then he... Wait, Amelia with the wrong... <laughs> and then he ranted about it on Tumblr and then he had to publicly apologize for that. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that. I said, Viacom, screw you guys. Uh, Cartoon Network or Disney ain't gonna hire me. Nope. Yeah, and, 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 and here's the thing. like When Invader Zim Enter the Florpus was announced... C.H. Greenblatt then said, oh, by the way, my show was canceled and I didn't even know about it. And then he went on a long rant. And Nickelodeon was like, you better apologize for what you just did, man. Excuse like, me, you better apologize for canceling my show without telling me. I know, right? You guys, you, guys, you guys don't even have the decency to tell me that you're canceling my show. Right. Like, like, I have to why, find out on social media. Right. On like, Tumblr. Like, bro... My fans had to tell me it was canceled. My fans. That's, like, that's terrible. I know, but no, yeah. disrespectful that is. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 it sucks. All I right. Calm. Oh. I know. So yeah, final words. Korra is still a really good show. I mean, I really enjoyed, you know, Legend of Korra for what it is. I mean, I, I really thought that, you know, uh, the transition for Aang to Korra made so much sense in the long run. Yes. I thought that... You know, her struggles were so one so well done. Like, you know, one of my favorite episodes that I remember, I think I even told this to Janet Varney when I interviewed her on the podcast, that when I first saw Cora alone, the four years that she had to struggle so that she can be able to become herself again was just so incredibly well done. And it is so tragic to see somebody who was trained to be the Avatar and the Avatar alone, and then just crumbled when basically her entire life that she's been training up for her, her you know, that she's been trained up for is pretty much just been null and void it's kind of like if a person was trained to be let's just say a photographer in a time in which when people were still using like film and then when digital camera came along and you were never trained to do that it's like oh wow what do i do now so it's right. you know it's like either go with the times or just quit because you know you can't do it anymore it's it's hard to you know imagine that you know somebody as powerful as that is like not needed in a society like that i mean we even said this in the last podcast that you know with avatar the last airbender ang was a peacekeeper in a time in which they needed a hero and with cora she was a hero at a time when they needed a peacekeeper so right. i thought that that was just a, really a diplomat well i think yes exactly i thought that that was really well done and i think that for a lot of people they kind of had the notion that it was going to be the same thing as avatar so I'm, I'm glad Bro. that they took the risk that they did. So I'm just going to end it right there. Bro, for every avatar, they start off with the world does not need. I, there's a post. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, she is Here not playing. Malia is not playing. Jeez. 
Yeah, I've seen this one. All right, so each avatar started ex exactly as the world, as what the world didn't need at the time. Wano was a thief when the world needed a hero. Um, Roku was a friend when the world needed an authority figure. Aang was a meditator when the world needed a warrior. And Korra was a superhero when the world needed a diplomat. Did you mean a mediator? Okay. Yeah, mediator. Yes. But yes. yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Because for the most part, when it came to, okay, you know, um, uh, you know, I came into this world and I am one thing, but no, we needed you for another thing. So it's like, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it, it, that's how, you know, it, it was for every single generation. And I guess, you know, unless, of course, you were a hardcore fan who read through the comics and who, you know, like looked at the minute details of all that kind of stuff. I think for the general audience, they didn't really get that when the show came out right. in 2012. And it's, I don't know, there are just so many gems. Like, okay, both series have a lot of gems that can help people out with life or even just their spiritual walk. Um, like, even with Uncle Iroh, just calling both series how he's so in tune with the spirit world. That's how, whatever you believe, that's how a human being should be with their belief. When you're so in tune to it, you can see and understand and comprehend things that others probably won't. You know, um, how to really figure out who you are during the tough times, during, during the trials. That's one thing I really respect about Korra. And again, people, that's not to say Aang didn't go through any trials. He did. He went through a lot of trials. But Korra, I think her trials were more complex than Aang's. It wasn't just good versus evil. Now it's okay. You versus you. You versus a society that doesn't want you anymore. You versus a world that is just different from your previous incarnations and what they had to deal with. So I think at the end of the, of the day, this is a show that was needed. And if it's even needed more so now, then that's great. That's fantastic. Um, my last and final thoughts about the show. Like I said earlier, in my opinion, in my opinion, it is a greater show than Avatar. I love the storyline. It reminded me so much of um, anime because of the different arcs, which I loved. I love Patricia for letting us know the background of the um, the background was going on behind the scenes, and to me that made the show even better. Of them having to deal with all that stuff and then still coming on great, coming out with great content. Right. Um, I loved how I lo I really loved the political aspect of it, and like anyone saying earlier about how. It was meant for, it was ahead of its time and how it's really meant and how story um, creators can take from their time and make it into a show that's enjoyable. I loved it. Um, I, I found myself looking into different characters such as Korra and, excuse me, Asami. Again, LGBT representation. So yeah, I just I really loved it. It was a it's a great show all around in my opinion. My final thoughts. I think Core is a great show, and I think that people who may be new to it, who may just be starting, need to get the world of Avatar: The Last Airbender, like not the world, but get that out of your mind. Like this is not Aang's story. This is someone completely different. And make sure you go into it like that because a lot of people expect an avatar continuation. And this is a different avatar. This is a completely different world than Aang knew as a whole. Different characters, different everything. So get out of the mindset of 
this is an Avatar sequel and get in the mindset of like, yes, this is a world of Avatar, but this is her story, her journey, her world, her enemies. It's her everything. So just if you go into it expecting Avatar The Last Day of Ender Part 2, you're just going to be a grumpy person. But if you go into you're it expecting... great disappointment. Yes. But if you go into it like this is an all-new story with an all-new cast of characters that is just set in this world, then you're going to have a phenomenal time because the show is great. That's all I got. All right. Well, that's it. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, For those who want to plug and promote your stuff, go for it. Uh, Follow me on Instagram, Jabak, J-B-I-A-C, and then Jabak Productions, J-B-I-A-C Productions. Instagram, underscore, Andrew, J-M, underscore, wait, right? Yeah. Underscore, Andrew, J-M, underscore. I forgot my own Instagram name. Yeah. All right. Uh, Instagram, E-K, underscore, Freedom Fighter, and Twitter, at Understand Rebel. How at your boy. YouTube.com slash Old School Lane. Facebook.com slash Old School Lane. I'm on Twitter mm-hmm. at Patty underscore B underscore Miranda. I have a lot of yep. podcast places. Um, there's Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Stitcher, uh, all those places. Um, so, yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll be talking about a topic that's not Avatar related. So whatever it is, I don't know. We'll see. So thank you so much for tuning in. So we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh-huh.